Welcome to another show. I'm your host, Jory Davis. I'm here with my very special guest, Horace Warmly, man. Uh, nice to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Man, it's an honor. Honor and a pleasure and long overdue, it feels like. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while. We've been trying to catch up with each other. But uh, for those that don't know who Horace is, he's a former professional athlete, athlete advocate, uh, managing partner of Layer Cake Group, um, and a co-director of District. Appreciate you coming on. So let's get right to it. Obviously, we connected, you and I connected from uh, basically the athlete network, as we call it. You know, one thing led to another after I released uh, the video about overseas basketball. I believe it was Greg Platter who connected yep. us. He sent me one of your medium posts. I instantly, you know, felt your vibe and we connected and it's been, you know, up from, from there. You know, it's just been an instant connection. So I wanted to start out by just kind of talking about, you know, what you believe is the importance of the athlete network, especially the elite athlete network, you know, because that's kind of in a sense how we're here right now. Yeah, um, I, I really... I started to understand, I guess, just what how important networking and relationships are in general. Like it really started to hit me when I became a pro like that first year. I didn't really understand the business. I was really wide eyed, very green, didn't have the greatest of mentors uh, to really explain to me how the business of this works. And I was awakened to it very quickly, very rudely. I thankfully just kind of learned really quickly, like, okay, this thing is about relationships, right? So just, I'm just speaking from individually, my own personal journey, my own personal career. I started to figure out, okay, I need, I need to cultivate relationships and make more relationships. And ultimately that is what a network is, right? So it started out with me personally, just wanting to advance my career. Then I realized like, you know what, there's, there are instances in this professional journey of mine and that I share with a lot of these players that I'm, um, cultivating these relationships with or, you know, generate, generating these relationships with. And we're having, we're sharing a lot of the same experiences. And so I started to want to at least solve some of these these issues or some of these problems that we were all facing. And I think that would, to me, is where I, I began to see the power of our network, that how we can move as a, really as a force or, or as a collective, maybe is probably the better word, how we right. can move as a collective and, it just it just expanded from there, and I started to to meet people like yourself, people like like Greg, like GP, my my business partner. I started to just see like how there were folks who played professionally, who ventured into technology, who ventured into real estate, who ventured into finance, who ventured into fashion, and just started to see how how small our world really is right. amongst each other, and how we can begin to help one another. Um, and I just been really looking for ways to utilize that collective, um, again, for myself and for others, uh, right. really since day one. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree. Like I said, this is how we're here today on this yeah, call yeah. Uh, because of the power of the network and we really could help one another, you know, kind of elevate to a higher level. Cause as of now, you see a lot of guys doing their things on their own and it's great ideas. However, we don't have that community or that network per se to mm-hmm. help everyone's ideas grow into a global, as I say, a global impact. You know, we yeah. have trainers that have a few clients and, you know, we have people that own small businesses, but I think if we really were to put those resources together, we could help one another kind of elevate, but also create new ways and for the next generation of athletes. So 
you know, really the main topic for, for mm-hmm. interviewing you was how that network led you into, first of all, learning more about the business as a professional athlete and what gave you that confidence to actually start, you know, negotiating things on your own and, mm-hmm. you know, taking risks. Like, how did that begin for you? Like, what was the determining factor that said, all right, man, I'm about to use the network I have and learn this thing so I can help create better opportunities for myself and those around me. Yeah, we're we're a unique community. We're we're a unique community, and then we're also like a unique species in this community, like um, of people. <laughs> period. Outside of our own community, but um, this community of like athletes in general is is unique. But then when you start talking about the international athlete or just that that athlete that gets a chance to travel abroad, so like that kind of transitions to. Uh, track athletes as well and and soccer like just that class of of athlete like we're really unique you know I think one of my mentors really was the catalyst for my shift of my mindset about myself and and he would always tell me it's probably a ubiquitous thing now but I think at the time it it wasn't for me or I didn't really hear it that much which was that I was a CEO of my own business right right and so this is this is 2000 six 2007 after i finished school and it was like okay well what does that mean for me um as i'm as i'm entering into the business i never once as a basketball player saw myself running my own company like my my career being my own business right and i think that 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 was a it was a it was a subtle statement but it had a very like huge shift in like my paradigm so that was the beginning that was the beginning and and once I got abroad, my first gig was in Germany. Um, I was like right outside of Munich. Once I got outside of that, and again, like I said I, I was introduced to the business in a very rude way. Like I, yeah. I was lowballed on the contract. I actually went to training camp, didn't like the contract, came home, uh, missed the first three games, first three weeks of the season, of my rookie season, and then flew back to Germany. And so For the same like, team. It, for the same, for the exact same team, <laughs> the exact same team, right? So it was, it that was like a very like, oh, this is real. Like this is a, they not playing, and, and I, I don't have time to, you know, to play either. I need to figure out like how I was expecting a, you know, fair deal. And like I said, it just had a very rude awakening to the business, right? And I was like, okay, you know what? What something my mentor, what my mentor just told me was is very real, and I need to kind of approach it that way. So I started to just take a lot of my experiences through school, stuff I learned in school, but then also started to read more, ask a lot more questions. And again, that, that to me, the first, I think the first thing about adding value to yourself is the richness of the questions you ask people. That was like the first way I realized that I could tap into a network. Right. Um, and that, that one of those, the first people that I got a chance to, to ask all types of questions to is, his name is um, Coco Archibald. And okay. he's actually from the same city I'm from, he's from Pasadena. He's six or seven years older than me, but he'd been playing EuroLeague for like eight years at that time, by that time. And so I would just ask him, you know, he was in, he had played in Germany for about four or five years. And in the year that I got to Germany, he went to go play in Sopot, Poland. Okay. And so I just got a chance to, to ask him every single question I could think of about right. the business. And he was the first. He was the first person. I was like, okay, I don't need to know it all. I don't need to know anything really. Yeah. I just need to. I just need to ask these questions. Yeah, but and but yeah, the, not to cut you off, but the fact no, that you had, had somebody to ask the questions. That's that's the biggest thing. Is not everyone is fortunate to 
be able to have access to someone like him right. um, to ask right. questions. And, and maybe if you had access to him before you even initiated that Germany deal, it would have mm-hmm. been possibly dealt with earlier, you know? So absolutely. Absolutely. Probably- absolutely right. Yeah, you are absolutely right. And like, that was what I realized I was missing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, I realized I was missing that every time I was talking to him. I think I, I, I thanked him so much. He was like, bro, like, chill. <laughs> like you got to chill. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's what we're supposed to do. But yeah. I just, I, I hadn't had anyone in my same field say, look like me, talk like me, right? Um, had gone through, you know, everything that I could probably or possibly go through that could speak to me and really take time out and wasn't too busy, wasn't too big. And, and that was, that was the key. And that like, that ultimately gave me not only the, at least the start of like the knowledge that I would gain, but the confidence to just, okay, I need to speak up for myself. Like right. my agent, my agent at the time is only going to do so much for me. Right. So I, I needed to I need to speak up for myself. And in order for me to feel comfortable speaking up for myself, I there's certain things that I need to know. And that kind of start that kind of started. I think where, where the question was and where you were alluding to is me being able to negotiate my own contracts after that year. Um, right. It was just I, I had a confidence of like, you know, I, I just I got to be bold enough to do this. But if I'm going to be bold, I can't just jump out in ignorance either. Definitely. And the the questions never stopped, though. Right. And I definitely believe, you know, even with players that I speak to currently, you know, Mm -hmm. they just gain confidence because they know if if someone that's older and been through it is willing to be there for them, that gives Mm -hmm. them confidence that like, okay, I'm going to go and ask my agent this question. I'm going to question my team because I have someone backing me. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that whole idea of having even more people or entity backing you outside mm-hmm. of your managing team is it adds more confidence for the players. They they're more willing to speak their truth and and, mm-hmm. and fight for change. But if you solo dolo and your agent is telling you one thing and you don't have anyone saying I got your back, um, maybe you don't have as much confidence to say you know what I could do this on my own. You know, of course you are an individual and you have a unique personality, so that led you to do right. what you did, which we'll get into. But of course, the, the mentor mm-hmm. having someone like that also helped you take that next step. What time did you start to really um, negotiate your contract? What was the first contract that you negotiated alone? First contract was, I negotiated by myself, was actually China. So the year that the I played in Germany, came home, played in the D League, well, now the G League, and then following that year, went to go play in China. And that was the, that really, that year is probably the most pivotal year for what life would be now for me. Life after basketball, that year is what set up what I'm doing right now. Like gives me the confidence to do what I'm doing right now. So I not only that year was able to negotiate my contract, I helped a friend of mine negotiate his, uh, who was actually- The same year or? The same year, the same year on the same team. Same or same organization. Um, and with that, um, the following year, I actually came back to that team. I didn't play. I didn't play that year. Okay. This was like a sabbatical. I almost, I almost retired early because I, I truly enjoyed the business side of it. I, and the owner of that team, guys worth like $55 billion, like ridiculously wealthy. Right. He was looking to do what they, what they dubbed an MBA school in conjunction with the NBA and David Stern. So David Stern actually had flown out at the time and they were building an academy, essentially a grassroots level academy from like eight years old to, I want to say like 16. That wow. would basically be a feeder system into his professional team. Right. And so he actually brought me in 
on that uh, development to help strategize what that school would look like, what the, I guess, curriculum, it, it, it's not, it wasn't that academic, but right. what the curriculum of like a workout plan would look like, the schedule of, you know, when they'd be on or like when they actually be at the, at the school to when they get a chance to go back to their families. Like I was, uh, I don't want to say leading it because definitely went there, but I like had a, a very, very impactful um, say sure. on what happened. And right. even all the way up to the, the what the actual building uh, looked like, where the hot tubs and all that stuff went, like yeah. everything. And so, like that was the that was like my entry point into like, oh shoot, this is this where I'm at. Like this is what I'm here for. Yeah, it's, you know it's, I mean? there's I, more yeah. on that side before you got to China. You, mm-hmm. you moved around a little bit. So, what were the steps you took to first get in contact? You know, get a contact in China, you know, mm-hmm. then leading to you negotiating your own contract. Like what were the steps? How did what did that look like? Yeah, back to the network. Um, back to the network. So after the after if we like rewound to my first year, I had an agent and I didn't know enough to understand how valuable he actually was at the time. Like he was he's a he is still to this day a really good agent, but just speaking in past tense, he was a really good agent for me at the time. I just didn't know enough. And was really naive to be able to understand how good he was. So by the end of my that season, I was done with him. I was like, yo, I don't want to. Like, I I feel like I just go my separate ways. I probably shouldn't have. I probably should have just kept him as a as an advisor or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but but with that, how I how I stumbled into and I I say stumble stumbled into my D League opportunity was through the Drew League, and then my Chinese the China opportunity came way of my business partner actually uh frank robinson he had played for he had played for so i'm, I'm gonna try to tie all this stuff in together he he played for the team that i played for in china the year prior to okay. me getting there so when i was in the when i was in the, with the defenders in the d league he was he was in china but ended up his son was being born so he actually just wanted to come home right and play and so when he came home to play he came to our team to yeah. the, the la defenders so we actually rebuilt our relationships. We had been we had been cool prior, but we became friends, brothers, business partners right. that season. And so during that year, year with the defenders, he had been telling me about, you know, telling me about the experience in China, what it was like. And I told him straight out, like, man, that's something I would, you know, would love to do. Right. And he he's a very much like myself and yourself. We just keep in contact with everybody. And so he had kept in contact with the he's like he was the scout, the, the scout for that. For that Chinese team, like the GM, yeah, or, yeah the scout GM. Yeah, he was a scout. He was yeah, he was a scout. So he kept in touch with him, and his name is Jack Mai. Shout out to Jack Mai, still my guy. Um, and he set up a workout the summer that summer pr- after our D League year, and so it was there was no agent involved at all. This was my direct athlete contact <laughs> network. Yeah, this is a direct athlete network uh find right here and and there was a richness in that too right like it was because of who frank is and was at that time like how he carried himself when he was in china everyone liked him he was able to nurture that relationship and so they trusted his word and so when they did look for something they didn't have any issues contacting him and because he didn't he didn't have any issues even as a player at that time he never had any issues putting another player in position, even if they were playing the same position as him. It was, it was always like, man, y'all, you know, you go forward. That's for you. That's for you. Right. And so, friendly competition. And, <laughs> yeah. Friendly competition. Right. Like if it, no, no scarcity mentality uh, with him at all. That's how that opportunity came about. I, I went to the workout, the guy that I actually was competing against in the workout became my brother. We actually, they picked both of us up. 
he became my brother. It's like the athlete network so crazy. He went to Fullerton with Frank. Okay. Frank Frank puts me up for this job, and he also puts uh, my boy Josh Coyne for the for the job. So we both go to the workout. He Frank makes it plain to both of them. It's like, yo, you was my point guard defenders D League. You was my point guard in college. Yeah. Both of y'all nice. Y'all go do what y'all do. And it was like bet, like that's what we're here for. We compete against each other, and it just worked out to the point where they were like, "Look, we just gonna take both of y'all." Got you. That was and, and the, man, and it doesn't really. It never, as you know, it never works out that way. Right. <laughs> and the, and the cool part about it was like I got a chance to to help negotiate his contract. So I'm going with him. This is the dude I'm competing against. Yeah. But he he's he's sitting his contract in front of me, asking me for advice on like, okay, what do you think needs to be in this? Like I trust my agent, but my agent didn't put me in this position. Right. You and Frank, you Frank put me in this position and you and Frank are boys. Frank told me a lot about you. What do you think about this contract and how this how this is worded, where the money goes, what do you think? And I was like, look, well here's mine. This is what I'm thinking. And we sat down and, you know, went went through it together. So and, how did you pick up on, like, did you just go on FIBA to look at what's the basic outline of a contract? Did you pick the brain of your old agent and figure out exactly what you could negotiate? Because, again, like, you know, it takes time to kind of learn what you can negotiate and what things are kind of like, OK, even though you feel like you should get it, it's just not going to happen based on the market. You know, how did you learn what should actually be in that contract? Was it over time or did you actually take some type of course or go one-on-one with the agent to, to learn that? Um, and then what things do you think you've learned through that process that you think still to this day, many people not learning? Okay. Uh, don't let me forget that second one. That okay. Second part. I'll, I'll, I'll get back, back to you. Okay. Later. Okay. Okay. I definitely want to answer that one. Um, the first part though was, was back to the athlete network uh, on one side. So I was able to get an old contract from Coco Archibald, who who I told you is like my first big homie in this, the first mentor that I had. I was able to get like old contracts from him that okay. he had, old EuroLeague contracts, and just look at like how they were structured and kind of not in a very detailed way, but he would just kind of walk me through a little bit. Like, this is what this was. If I could go back, I would have changed this. Be careful because GMs will try to add this part. Like, so just really, really... Not not nothing too specific. Like it wasn't, you know, where he was highlighting a contract for me or anything, but just he sent it little notes and I would I would just read over it constantly. And so once I once he was comfortable sending that, I was like, man, you know, let me see who else is comfortable yeah. sending me their contracts, right? And I just my my boy was another one. Frank was another one. Frank, let me, you know, you, you feel comfortable showing me a contract. You can redact the the salary number if you want to i don't care about that part right at the time at least um i started to learn to care about that but you know <laughs> but, but you know i just i would begin to see you know just how how contracts were structured in europe first right then i then i got to kind of it kind of grew out to seeing how they were structured in different different countries different leagues but that was how it started it just started on, on one side just pulling in like the friends that I had, their contracts. I mean, let me just see a contract, bro. Let me see how it's structured. If I find something in it that I think that I, you know, should question, I'll hit, I'll hit them and be like, "Yo, bro, like my boy had this and his. You sure you want to?" Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. They was like, "Yo, I don't know." Let me. To me, you know, it's it's like so on the man's side, people. You know, did you get to anybody? I was like, "Nah, I'm not trying to share my contract." Or absolutely. 
Okay. Absolutely. That was that was more. That was more. There was more. Nah, bro. I can't do that. There was yeah, more yeah. Of that. There was more of that than than people handing it over. But how many do? How I like. I didn't need that many. I, right. I needed like four or five. Here's the other thing too. I definitely don't want to leave out. Like that. I'm very fortunate to have is I have like there are friends of, of our family who are lawyers. Okay. Um, yeah. That's so definitely- I, and I definitely don't want to leave that out. So even when I'm negotiating my own, like I was able to to send them a contract and go, okay, is there like, I'm, I'm comfortable with the number, but is there anything in this that you see that the wording of it should be changed or, and they, they always gave me at least an hour. Right. And I just tried to come as prepared as I could right. in that, in that hour, you know, just pick their brain. This is the wording. And just after a while, you kind of, you know, you, you, you kind of just know what to look for, know what to right. pick out. Yeah. You know what? The, the biggest thing I think, and it varies between levels. Like I, I got to see, I got to see an NBA contract, <laughs> uh, which my boy Ryan I went to high school with, retired with the Clippers, but he played all over the NBA. But I got to see his NBA contract, and I got to see, obviously, like I told you, my my first mentor or big homie, if you will, big bro, Euroleague contract. Frank had a Euroleague and a Euro Cup contract. I got to see my contract at the time was was a pro B in Germany. Yeah. Um, and then I got to see my own D League contract, other D League or G League contracts. So I got to see them at various levels. The one thing that people people forget to, I guess, is the taxes. Like who yeah. <laughs> where who gets taxed for what? And, and it always depends on what country you're in. Yeah. But there's a lot of things that that you know you don't you shouldn't be taxed on. Like there, especially as an international hooper, like your income shouldn't be taxed at all. And sometimes the teams would word it away where they could push off tax on you and they would take that out of a player's salary. Yep. They um, actually, my contract in Valencia, the, the contract has, you know, you have your lump sum and then it mm-hmm. shows what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it shows the taxes in that contract, which is a mm-hmm. lot. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I, I wasn't well versed on that. I mm-hmm. knew something was different. So I did ask mm-hmm. my agent, like, hold up. You know, yeah, what is all this? <laughs> here. Yeah. Um, and he was like, no, 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 this is the base salary. This is just what they have to do for their purposes. But again, it was just like, okay, I don't know for sure. You know, like, how do I know for sure? Like, this isn't something that I could probably be like, no, y'all need to bring this lower. You know, you unless you yeah. have somebody in your circle that you can go to mm-hmm. to challenge not only your agent, but also that you really just kind of mm-hmm. have to go along with what they say. So it definitely depends on the league. I know in France, right. there's taxes. Um, a couple other leagues, there's taxes. But mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely um, something to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've also seen cases where, like, guys didn't understand the currency exchange, like the rate of it, and so they would only see the number. Like, their their contract would have they, – they supposed to be getting paid in euro. Team somehow convinced them, like, yo, you're an, Ameri- you're an American. Like, don't you want to – you know, be paid in dollars. And it sounds like great. Like, yeah, man, just go ahead and switch mine in dollars. I'm going to have to, you know, do the exchange on it anyway. Not realizing are you losing probably depending on your contract anywhere between 500 to 2000, 3000 on that exchange. Just not knowing the difference between $10,000 a month, 10,000 euro a month. Right. right. And like, so it, it's, it was, it would be like subtle stuff that organizations would do in that way again shifting shifting the taxes that they're supposed to pay shifting it on to the players 
I saw stuff with like, oh, another one, another huge one was the housing. Yeah. And and like how they would how they would finesse the wording of housing in certain contracts. They would like a player would get to a certain place and the standard of living would be super low, but they couldn't get out of it because the way that the wording of like the housing was. Yeah. Yeah. And the contract, they, it was like nothing they could do. Subtle, super, like really, really subtle stuff. But you just got to, you know, the wording of it has to be very specific. So it was it was depending on where you were, it was uh, or where the contracts were, where players were. It would be different things. But, yeah, go back to the, the number one thing was like taxes. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's a big one. I think I've yeah. heard players uh, find out after the fact, Yeah, uh, you know, they thinking like, OK, I'm getting more money in this country and this team this you know i'm getting i don't know maybe let's say 5k more but when you talk about those taxes that deal that was 5k less with no tax situation would have been better you know right. so it's like it's definitely something to pay attention to let's let's talk about how did the managers and the the presidents of the teams how did they take you negotiating things and representing yourself because that's always a big that's always a big thing you know even when I'm talking to people I'm like well why can't players represent themselves once they know everything mm-hmm. you know, some people are like well no some teams won't talk to a player or some some teams they don't they won't talk to a player alone they want to talk to your management and it's just kind of like so why why do you need to talk yeah. to your management you want to do business with me so how were you received when you came to the table saying, I'm not going through my agent, we're going to do this. Not well. Let me just say that. Like it, there was always a bit of there was some hesitancy and some reluctance in speaking directly to me, uh, especially when it came to negotiations. The only place that I didn't get any, I got no pushback whatsoever was in China. There was, there was absolutely no pushback. It was more like, oh, okay. You're, you understand what you're talking about. It, that's all it was. It, I think there's a, in China, there's a, a bit of like, if you don't know what you're talking about, if you don't understand business, then they don't have the the patience for it at all. But if you do, they'll respect it in my in my experience, personal experience. And, and they did. They just respected um, sitting down, talking to talking with me, speaking with me. Um, they gave me a fair deal. I actually ended up getting stuff that wasn't even in my contract. It was it was super dope. Like I probably should have never left China. I never should have left China. But, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. I wanted to keep playing ball and I would have had to forfeit my career to kind of stay there, but whole nother story. But yeah, everywhere else though, there was some reluctance just being honest. Yeah. I actually got blackballed in Columbia uh, because of it, because I took a stance. Like I know, I know where uh, my power lies as an athlete and it's being on the floor. And so even, even during the, it was where we had a, we were negotiating while I was in the country. It was a, it was a very like, fractured process fractured negotiating process so step I, I actually went along with it step by step which i wouldn't advise anyone to do but i felt comfortable doing it because i had been in the country before uh so okay. I, I flew out i flew out there they bought the ticket i flew out there and this is still why negotiations were going it's just the timing of it they wanted to get things moving for our team to play in uh ligas de las americas which is like the euro league but it's in south america yeah um and so we were trying to do things in parallel. We were we were trying to get prepared on court in um in parallel with the negotiation. So I was I was like, okay, you know, as long as the negotiation goes smooth, everything will will happen and go off without a hitch, right? Which wasn't the case. I was told that okay, we, when they flew me out, I would you know housing everything would be straight, and it was when I got there. I was also told I would be paid prior to 
the beginning of the tournament. And that was where things kind of got murky and they no longer wanted to negotiate with me. And they wanted to go through my coach, who my coach at the time is a, a good friend of mine. Um, and still a good friend of mine. I shouldn't say it that way. Uh, still a good friend of mine. But they wanted to negotiate with him through me. And he was like, no, he knows how to do this. Like, you don't have to talk to me. But they ultimately right. what they wanted me to do was play for free or or delay payment and, and renege on their word. And it just I wasn't going for it. And they ultimately ended up ended up blackballing me from the league for a year. And it took my my old uh, organization that the organization I won a championship with in Columbia to fight against the rest of the owners to bring me back to his team. What, yeah. what did they like? What did they do? To, did they just blackball you far as like trying to say put say bad things about your character? Kind of told teams don't sign you. Like how did what was their reasoning? One, obviously mm -hmm. you were trying to represent yourself, and then mm -hmm. you know exactly what were they doing um, in response to you not having an agent and doing things the way they wanted you to do it. Yeah. They would lose power. That was, that was the, the true reason behind it. I think, especially coming off, this is like coming off of just winning the championship out there. I had befriended a lot of, a lot of players uh, that, that are uh, domestic players, the, the Colombians. I had befriended a lot of them and they weren't liking their situation, whether it was housing or what they're getting paid. So they're coming to me. And they're they're asking me to to help them. Like I was on the verge of of starting a union yeah. in, in Columbia. So like they're not they're, they're not going for that. The owners, and so they they're the league is actually ran by by a coalition of the owners. So it didn't take much. So once once you once you do one thing with one of the owners, like this is how they keep the players in check for the most part. Play one owner don't like you, you're expendable to them. Domestic import didn't matter. None of this stuff is on the books. This is just um, a silent pact between them. Yep. I mean, um, I always say, like, like you talk, like you're saying, like you clearly describing. They have their roundtable. They're yeah. they're talking. They're you know saying what they're gonna take and what they're not gonna take. And this is what we want the money to be. You know, they're connected. You know, and that's what makes them powerful. So again, you were coming in, they see, okay, players talking to you, they're willing to, you know, see what, oh, hold on, let me see what Horace talk about, what we might be able to make happen, the power yeah. deal would tip eventually. And I had too much, um, or, or I, which I, which I honestly don't even feel like I did, but in their mind, I, I just had too much influence, maybe is a better word, rather than power, because I had no power to do anything, I don't, I didn't own a team, I couldn't really pay players any salary, like I had no institutional, like, power in that way influence yeah a little bit of influence um to the point where one of my teammates who was with me is another import at the time i sat out by the way i sat out that tournament i didn't play like i went tournament was in first round of it was in panama flew to Colombia. we did our our training camp for it flew to panama they still thought i was gonna play i'm like i'm not playing unless y'all pay me like you know what you guys told me so you know i'm, I'm here i'm supporting my guys but i'm not playing and one of my one of the other imports um, who was my roommate, he was like, bro, if you're not going to play, I'm not going to play. He was like, I, I don't trust them either then because like, they weren't going to pay him and they had been telling us a whole bunch of stuff that we don't know where, where the money's coming. And just a gang of nonsense. He's like, yo, if this dude not playing, I value his character. Like he he was, I had, we had mutual friends, put it that way, who vouched for me, for him and people who, you know, vouched for him in, on my side. So we got connected again at Athlete Network. We were like, oh, we solid. Like, we good. You know what I'm saying? We know a lot of the same people. So he like, yo, if this dude not playing, 
And I know people that vouch for his character. Like, I'm not going to play. Like, why am I going to go out here and... and right. well, what, what was his agent's response to to following your suit instead of maybe listening? I'm sure on the other end, his agent probably... Oh, yeah. He took, he took some flight. He took some flack for, from his agent. His agent wanted him to play, especially in, in South America, like really anywhere. Like, you know, you, you play your league, you play your cut like that will change your the trajectory of your career, your, your salary, everything. Well, it's a same, similar situation in South America. You you play leagues in South America, like you're good at that point. You're established. You can go play Argentina, Brazil, Uruguay. You can have a, a good 15-year career after that. And so his agent is like, yo, what are you doing? What are you doing? Obviously, I'm sure you got have a large number of stories um, yeah. in regards to stepping out on your own. But do you regret representing yourself? Do you think, looking back at your experience, do you think it's something that can continue for athletes abroad, of course? You know, how do you think we could take steps towards having more power? Obviously, you were alone. You were alone mm-hmm. trying to do what you were doing. So, of mm-hmm. course, they could take action against one person to try to blackball one person. You know, all in all, what's your feedback on a player that wants to do that or is forced to do that because no agents want them? That's another topic. Mm-hmm. They have to yep. kind of represent themselves if they believe yep. in themselves. And then, like, from a whole collective of athletes, what's the message behind maybe how can we gain more power together? Because if one person takes action, it's never going to work. No, so first, no, no regrets at all. But I, I would, I have to be like just super transparent. I, I do know that, I believe at least, had I had I gone the route of having an agent, I would have had a more prosperous career from a financial standpoint. Mm-hmm. I do know that. I believe that. Like, I'm just... I don't want to act like, oh, you know, everything. Nah, I believe had I had an agent just because of how the status quo is or what the status quo is in our industry. I know that, you know, having someone advocate for you in that way with relationships and all the backdoor, all that other stuff. Right. I know that I probably would have had a, a much more prosperous career from the standpoint of like what my salaries could have been and where I could have played and all of that. I got a chance to really not only enjoy and play my career out the way I want to, but I got to learn so much that will last me like a lifetime. And and I knew that. Like I was very conscious of that. I'm thankful that I that I just kind of took that route. And I, I would I tell everybody that that even whether they get an agent or not, I still tell them that you still need to represent yourself. And that may be the only difference that I would have would have gone. I would have actually aligned myself with an agent and still been very hands-on with that agent very right. hands-on with sure. my own career there, yeah there's a there's a there is a way to find some middle ground it doesn't have to be one or the other that's something that i didn't figure out or really well, i should say figure out but i didn't adopt until the latter part of my career where i was like okay you know what i'm a little bit i'm a little bit exhausted of this now both both in my energy and resources like i'm exhausted <laughs> and so i'm going to need help with this and I was like, man, I, you know, th- I could have taken this route too. Uh, but everything happens, especially for me personally, for a reason. I do believe that uh, there's the like the likelihood or likeliness of us as athletes needing to represent ourselves, or even needing representation, right? If I'm gonna like just speak of this utopian world of, for athletes, it wouldn't be necessary in my mind if there was some some more uh, there was a collective platform for us to trade information trade our experiences trade our stories 
and really share share contracts too. Make these topics things that you and I get a chance to talk about away from the podcast, right? To make those topics less taboo than they are for for me to not feel bad about my first shot. I, I, it was a I made an eight hundred euro a month contract, and I had to like negotiate that to a thousand euro. But there's no there's no shame in that. And, and I need to be okay just saying that so the next person knows, yo, you can get more or you can do better or, or this is where the get, this is where the starting point is or we need to find a way to raise that up so they don't use one player versus the other to drive the, the salary price down. That's key. I mean, everybody trying to hide what they're making. But if, if mm-hmm. we don't learn what people are making and what's, what is the truth in our salary, mm-hmm. what's the truth in our contracts and no, mm-hmm. if we don't share that info, we'll never know what's what do we need to do to move forward? You know, we're always mm-hmm. guessing and saying, well, I heard somebody make this. And then you just believe your agent say, no, 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 this is the market value. Okay. You still have to believe that even mm-hmm. though there are some agents that are great agents, however, yep. they are also a part of this business. They are in business with us and the team. So sometimes yeah. the full transparent truth is not in their best interest with us, you know? So like you said, being transparent, and not saying I make, you know, oh, you make an 800, but you talk about you add a couple thousand to it. <laughs> this is what this right. person making. And I'm I'm not making this. Now you unhappy and you don't even know the truth behind it. So yep. uh, what you just said was was facts. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, man. And I I, I just yeah. To, to, to add to your point, man, we have a if there's a, a platform um, and shout out to Weave Off, uh, if there's a platform we can. We can continue to to add value to in that way. Um, we 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 don't necessarily remove representation, but we hold representation accountable in that way, right? So they now you get a chance to really see who who's representing the athlete, who's representing their own personal interests, who's representing the organizations, who's really an advocate for you. It, it just becomes a bit clearer, in my opinion. Um, if we if we're able to just share, I, and I think that's what I was able to see in my own personal journey is oh, okay. Well, this person's sharing their contract. This person's sharing their story. This is what this person experienced with this team in this market in this climate. I'm able to to gather and collect all these different stories and experiences in the markets and make sense of it for myself. And that gives you confidence going forward to sit in front of a team and go, okay, well, I know such and such is. Well, I have to say their name, but you know, I, mean, I know there are other, there are other guards in this league that make seven thousand a month, and this is what their numbers may possibly be, and this is the and you're able to roll this out in you know with stats and support it with like you're able to quantify your your um your position in negotiations. That makes you powerful. It makes you powerful. But when all that information is hidden or blown up, as you said, and people are adding zeros to the salaries and telling you everything is good and it's not. Right. Right. So- all of all, at that point, can't go on the agents either because, you know, we're not telling the truth. We're not being yeah. real. We want agents to be real, but we're not being real with ourselves to start because, yes, you might have the house with the bathroom and the thing and you paying for yeah. your Wi-Fi when you're not supposed yep. to be paying for your Wi-Fi yep. and yep. you stunting where it's like okay if you tell the truth and you tell the truth and you tell the truth now Mm -hmm. we have a whole collective of stories and data to say feeble what y'all doing what y'all doing so that's when change starts but if we all lying and stunting we can't make change in that way and that's it and that's it man i i think that's that's it right there i'm i'm pushing to that to that space before i would you know tell anyone to 
to represent themselves, I think it does start with, it starts with me telling the truth to them. It starts with them really digging for the truth right. and seeking the truth. Yeah, it's, it starts there. And, and then you can represent yourself in, even in that, even when you have representation, you still need to know. You still need to, right? You don't want to buy a lemon when you go looking for a car. Like you still, there's certain things, you may not be a mechanic, but you still need to know some stuff about a car when you go, when you go buy it. And then you go give it to the mechanic. Like, so there's certain things that we need to know. And like, I'm, I'm, I would advocate for that first. Like before you jump out and want to represent yourself or feel the need to, man, just go dig for the truth. Go dig. Everybody, you know, go ask them. There's people online. There are people willing to tell their stories like myself, like yourself. We're out, we're out there. We can be, we can be found. We're reachable, but you kind of, you have to dig and, and we're still digging in our, you know, in our, ourselves and our own past, our own journey. So I would start there. That is how you represent yourself, whether you have an agent or not. China, opened your eyes, as you said, to what's next for you. It opened yeah. your eyes to like, man, look, I think I'm about ready to transition to the business side. We didn't go deep into, you know, what happened your first year. But let's talk about the emotions you felt from start to when you knew it was about to finish as to why you eventually say, you know what, man, it's time. I need to I need to figure out what's next. Man, you know, it's Kyle. I just talked to one of my one of my boys the other day. Um, Mo Isom went to uh, Texas University, of Texas, and I was I'll share with him like there was a there wasn't any year in my career that I didn't question quitting or retiring. There was no part of it, but it wasn't like this out of like me being angry at anything or came from like not being healthy. To me, it was there was always this healthy detachment of knowing that I was a little bit bigger than basketball. Right. Like my life, not me bigger than the game in that way, but just me. Like there was more to me than just I'm going to play basketball for the rest of my life. Like I already always knew that there was a shelf life to this. And so every year as I'm building and kind of adding more uh, tools to the to the toolbox, it was like, OK, is now the time to transition out. Like I'm looking for the exit. And so when the, my emotions in it, it, that that was really my emotion in it the entire time was like, when do I transition out? Because my tolerance level, the more that I learned, my tolerance level became less and less for the nonsense. Yeah, yeah. You're like, for real, like, I know you're not supposed to be. I know this contract is nonsense that you're sending me. I know this, this salary is, con- is nonsense. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I, I, like, you can't take it all. You can't go to war on your own. So it's like at this point, it's yeah. like you know the truth, but you, maybe you're trying to tell your left to the person to the left and right, but you can't go to war on your own. So I, I feel you 100% on yeah, that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, year in and year out, I promise you not a year went, not a year in my career. I, always, I, I don't like using the word career. My journey, my basketball journey, not a year went by that I didn't very honestly reassess and go, is this, is this what I want to continue doing? And I, to me, that's uh, also a testament to how much I love playing basketball and how much I love like the travel of it and meeting new people. Because that, that was often the time, like often the thing that pulled me in was like, man, well, this is a free ticket. This is free education. And I love the game. How? Like, what other way am I going to get to do this in my 20s? You know what I mean? And get paid. Yeah. To do it. Like, I agree with you. The lifestyle. Yeah. Like, OK, if yeah. I quit now, can is there anything set up in my life? Right. That- I can maintain this lifestyle without basketball. Yeah. I always say like, it's like a quote, like, can you maintain this lifestyle that you living right now without basketball? Yeah. Think about it. Think yeah. about the ticket, yeah. living, you eating good, all these things. Like that's the piece. There's, that there's nothing else, man. Play. Play. Yeah, there's nothing else, Jordan. 
is a great one. Yeah, there's nothing else. There's nothing else that'll do this. Like, you know, there we were able to, well, I'm speak, I, I'm retired. Well, I was able to, you're still able to tap into communities, right? Like in a way that nothing else, I can I can buy that ticket, travel to Europe. But what plan allows you to do is you tap right into a community, you tap right into a fan base, you tap right into th- their doors that open for, for us that really no other thing in my life personally opens in that in that way. I love hooping. I I still will hoop to this day hard. Like I'm in a game, um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm a, and I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna do that till I can't play anymore. What actually got me to be okay, be content with retiring was I was content with the the path, the career of it all, like the professionalism of it all. I was content. Like I had maxed out for from my personal opinion what I could make um, in every market. Like I, I played, I played in Europe, played in Asia, played in Africa, played in the Middle East, played in South America, played in North America. Only place I ain't touched was Antarctica. It was more or less to me like a graduation. And looking back, I probably played one or two more years longer than past that graduation. So I got a little bit of a grace period, but, but yeah, I, I was just content. Like I was content with what I had experienced I was content with, you know, the the level that I reached playing basketball. I felt like I had maxed out. I maxed out with good I was going to become as a player. I maxed out with how much how much practice I could take. In a, right, in a that's the key right there. <laughs> I maxed I maxed out with like recovery, and I, I I honestly maxed out with being away. I maxed out with with that lifestyle of being abroad and for for eight nine months or six seven months or it's time for something new. You were always thinking about when it's time to end, like, you know, when I'm going to exit, what things were you doing during your career that maybe some players probably aren't doing that you felt helped you feel comfortable with knowing that, okay, when the transition time comes, I'm going to be ready. I was, I was really comfortable helping people, like helping other players, even while I was playing. Right. So I I, I knew that this is something that I wanted to do when I was done because nobody was my competition. And that's not, that usually sounds like an arrogant statement, but I mean, in a, in a way, like nobody's my competition man i, I want to help i want to see you win genuinely actually like let me let me see a contract so we can right. go through this and we get more money you know if i can or let me just ask questions let me tell you the truth about mine like it wasn't anything sensational that i did that made me feel comfortable it was the fact that like from again from my entry point like i wanted to i wanted to i knew that there was a better way to go about business as an athlete in our industry and i wanted to just change that from the onset and so I've been fighting to get to that, like put that platform out in any way or in any iteration that it can possibly go out. I've been trying to do that for the last 10, 11, 12 years of my life. We mm-hmm. both share that passion to create something that will yeah. be the changer, as I say, that will shift the paradigm, you know. And that's I think that's where you and I are. That's what we call you the, my long lost sister. Like, that's where we are. That's what this, I believe this podcast is about. That's the work that I get a chance to do and you get a chance to do away from these conversations that we have independently when we talk to other players, younger, older, whatever, is we're trying to shift the paradigm that that uh, I've been reading, um, rereading uh uh, Plato's Allegory of the Cave, because I keep feeling like I'm finding myself like having to go back down to the cave and pull people out so they can just see. And that, that's really what it is. That's the work that we're doing. You know, and it's, it's that has to happen first. Again, when we, we talked a while back and yeah. we talked about the community need, needing to be educated to understand that they do need something else, that more work was to be done before the the big time mega vision was to yeah. kind of put out there. You know, it was a little yeah. bit more work. Um, to be done. So 
let's let's talk more about the work you're doing now. The work uh, in general is just finding creative ways to educate. That's really what it is. It's finding the, the most creative ways to educate. I'm learning every day that that it's storytelling. Better we could tell stories, the better because we could throw facts out all day long. Mm-hmm. And this is how many you know players make this amount, and this, and they're gonna be like, all right, bro. But now, like, what does that mean? So it's just really storytelling. Like, and I'm, I'm myself and Frank, uh, we're we're just really big right now into into how do we narrate this change, and then just kind of seep in the facts in there, tell the truth in that. But like, how do we how do we tell these stories? Podcasting is one of them. It's, to me, it's the greatest one. If people love conversations. Oral histories, you know, that's from ancient Sumerian times to now, right? So <laughs> definitely. Uh, <laughs> so like, the, that's the general work. Um, to be more specific, it's two sides of the same coin. Is our for profit company is called Layer Cake. And that's more of us on the sports consulting side. So we work directly with brands that or companies that are looking to enter into uh, the sports industry. We help them uh, translate their product or service to the sports world. So that could be helping them develop proof of concept to business model to if, depending on what iteration of their product or service they're in, helping them communicate that through through their brand, through marketing. It really Kind of depends on you know where where a, a brand or company is, um, but that's that's what that looks like on the for profit side, and then on the on our nonprofit side, which is district foundation, it's a lot of the same work and really a lot of the same relationships, but targeted at the youth and amateur right. athletes. For our our four initiatives with our our programs right now is mental health, um, nutrition slash health and wellness, financial literacy, and technology. Those are those are four things that we felt will have the most critical impact with young athletes um, and the communities that they live in and exist in to create change. And this will be the first first place I actually say this out loud. But um, we're working on a we're working on a um, a docu like a docu series, if you will, called uh, uh, Handle with Care. And it kind of like talks about the like the hand like it goes back and discuss each handle that a player had. So AI to Isaiah Thomas all the way up to Steph Curry and then figuring out a way to just taking that concept. And now we're trying to figure out a way to like mix in technology. Like how has technology been able to improve upon the handle of an athlete? Right. So just again, just tr- trying to thread it all together. But it's, it'll be for for our youth. We we just thank God right before the, the quarantine happened, we were able to. to uh, produce our combine and it's a nba style like nba draft style combine that we did so yeah yeah it was a dope concept uh thank like, you I looked over the stuff it was super cool concept thank you i appreciate that i appreciate that so we, we're building on that right like that's it's nothing new from a basketball standpoint that we that we did right like i said the nba already does it so kids are able to come in and get assessed hand hand size and wingspan and vertical leap and their Lateral ability, agility, and all that stuff. Right, but everything. I mean, that is also yeah. for that day. Now it's not nothing True. to do. Like you know, because again, we gonna always be rated, yeah. talk about, analyze. So yeah, we might as well be well versed with that. Yeah. yeah, True indeed. And so even like you said, with that, it's like okay, now we get an opportunity to teach too. So now you come in here, you get all this this testing and stuff. What does that even mean? So we get a chance to explain that, and we and we are able to bring in different partners that we have in tech too. And so we use that as a platform again to 
to almost tell a story. What does this mean to, for you? It, it, it could be something as simple as you need to get better in, you know, your lane agility. And that's, that's, that's fine. Or, you know, are you interested in, you know, what mental health means? And, and are you, do you have performance anxiety? How did you feel when you, you got to the, to the, to the combine, you know, did yeah, you prepare yeah. for it? Like, so yeah, just, just the things in, of that nature, we're constantly looking to produce both again on our, on the for-profit side, creating those partners. And also that stuff pays the bills, but then on a not on our nonprofit side, it's like, how do we now leverage those relationships we've created on a for-profit side with the experience we, we have with the relationships we have in basketball and really create a, uh, an environment for the for the kids to push further, push the industry and the culture further than we um, ever could imagine doing. Right, like basically, I mean, y'all doing the work a little step earlier than waiting to they college and transitioning out. Like the yeah, work, yeah, yeah, it's too late. I mean, that's something I've always said, and that's is needed. Um, so I think you guys are definitely kind of you know giving the players access to something outside of the EYBL team or AAU. This is something that's more authentic, real, and it's going to really impact them. I wanted to, I wanted to get to the relationship with you and Frank. You know, and okay. kids, man, I kind of look like, hey, man, I wish. I think I've told him this too. But one of my friends, you know, I was like, I want that friend to come. Let's go create some dope stuff and we talking all day about it and you know hoop, but then we come up with an idea while we hooping like yeah we need to implement talk a little bit about the importance of your relationship with him that you guys both play you both came from that same community and everything and how that's been a pleasure and like you know refreshing, mm-hmm. and you know how it's helped during the kind of you know, I'm sure there's been rough times where you thought, like, yeah. hey, what are we doing? You know, how is having that brother um, by your side saying we're going to do this together? How does that help? There is absolutely no way in the world, like, I can even imagine at this point doing any of this stuff without him. And not even someone like him, like him, specifically him. It, it I, can, I can partner with other people and he can partner with other people, but there's a synergy he and I have that, like, we just, it's just a... Like we just compliment each other in every way, and we're we're actually nothing alike. We're nothing alike, but we we're after the same exact goal. We want to see the, the the exact same. We have the exact same vision for basketball and really for the for the world in that way. But being able to being able to have somebody really when they say iron sharpens iron, like it's real. Uh, there there were days when we would be on the road playing playing with the defenders. Where we would just be in a in a hotel room and we just we'd be laying on the floor in front of each of our our own our individual beds and we just we just be like yo we got three minutes and close your eyes let's just think of an idea real quick we just do st- like random stuff like that like, let's just think of something bro like here's a topic here's a, a problem we've been having here's a whatever let's think of something we come up with an idea sketch it out flesh it out and just tuck it like he has this understanding of like when to attack. When to, all right, this is, we don't need to do that. When it's needed, he's there to, to apply it. I love it. He's big on action. So a lot of times I'm the, I'm the pull and he's the push. There was a point like where I, again, I, in my career, where I, I wasn't sure if I was going to continue playing or what I wanted to do. Um, this is after China because I had taken a year off. I had taken a year off, went back to China. They were paying me great money to help them strategize this academy. And I was like, you know what? This is it. I'm done. I'm retired. And I was like, God, God actually was like, nah, no, you're not. 
Yeah. You still want to play. You need to go play. Yeah. But, but you know how it is if you sit out a year. And yeah, it's hard. It's very it's hard. hard. It's hard. And Frank was like, man, say less. Like he was in Finland playing on a Euro Cup team. He was like, man, come out here and just work out with us, practice with us. I ain't, I ain't saying you're going to get put on. I don't know. Just come out here. Let's get it together. And I went out there. Actually, we sat down and negotiated his contract. Renegotiated his contract together when I got out yeah. there. Yeah. I, I mean, got to work out. You got to get out there. I mean, that's how I got in Italy the first time. I was in Switzerland. Yeah. And mm. I took a train, crossed the border, tried out. Mm. It was actually my birthday. It was my birthday. Wow. And uh, they signed me on the spot, gave me a cake and everything. Like, it was crazy. That's- I never do that. That's story right there. That's that's awesome. And so, man, it's it's taking that risk. It's taking yep. that risk and having somebody like in in a in that shares that with you, that shares that vision with you to kind of he get he provided a safety net for me to to jump. Like you got to jump, bro. But I'm down here. You know what I mean? Right. And so that's what makes um, the difference. It, it always yep. does. it makes the difference if you ha- if you yeah. know somebody right there to catch you. You know because. Yeah. You know, it's like when you had swimming lessons, you know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't jumping in the pool. And then, you know, they're like, come on, come on. I'm a teacher. You're going to learn. You, you all right? Come on. You know, like, yeah. I, I'm going to jump in the pool so I know I'm not going to drown. But yeah. uh, that safety net, and that's the power of mentorship. That's the power of sisterhood and brotherhood. Um, And I truthfully believe the guys are a little far ahead than the ladies. I mean, I don't really? know. You know the, the, the lady side is a little bit different. I feel like the more I connect, with guys and I've told a lot of the guys I've connected with like man I keep mm. connecting with all these guys like boom like it's, it's easy mm. but I'm like on the women's side I don't know nobody doing nothing to really give back to the game you know like you mm. have those out there again saying they giving back but who they looking for Diana Taurasi mm. she got 20, 20 probably 20,000 people knocking at her door saying I want to mentor you or do this you know Right. A whole lot of other people that need help. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think on the lady side, I don't think that the togetherness it is gonna take a little bit more work than with the guys, because I feel like y'all are a little bit more connected than the ladies, but all in all, um that collective unit in East Why why is that? If you don't mind me flipping the interview a little bit, why is that? What's the what's the and that's interesting? I would have thought. I thought the opposite. I mean, of course, you know, stateside, there's the big, the WNBA, you know, it shows a collective unit, you know, the soccer players, WNBA players fighting for more pay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's out there in the media. So it will portray that, you know, mm-hmm. that, oh, everyone connected. 100% truthful. I don't agree outside those 144 that everybody connected or if they are connected. Like when you see the stories on Uninterrupted, with the WNBA players, their story is they don't want to be there. My story mm. is I got to be here. Let's make it better. Mm. It's a whole different thing. So if I come and I yeah. say, yo, w, you know, whoever it might be in the WNBA, yo, 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 yo we trying to make change over here. That conflicts with the story you give it. You know, your story is that now I want to stay home. My story is now I love it here. We just need some things to change and it's going to make it even more of a better experience. You know what I'm saying? But to you, to the point of the question you asked, I think it's just because the resources are so low and it's not the same for the guys, you know, like maybe there yeah. are like you could go third league somewhere and make decent money, not big, but decent. You could go second league somewhere and you have that opportunity for the women. There are no second. I mean, there's France and uh, Spain. You can go second league. 
but it's mm. not great money at all. France, so so. And so I think it makes it more competitive. As you said, holding back information. I disagree. I believe the more we share information, the more we can find out, be creative. Let's find ways to pull sponsors from all over the globe to get us more, you know, help. You know, that's what mm-hmm. we have to do. So I think for the ladies, they just kind of like, I don't know, like now, nah, like yeah. we're going to make it work. It's just a matter of starting the conversation. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's got me thinking. That's <laughs> got me thinking. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But but it's been it's, it's been a great combo, man. Like I'm sure we could have sat here all day um sure. and talked about it. But you know, one of the keys for the day was to definitely just talk about your journey as far as like representing yourself and how that's trans translated into what you're doing now and yeah. just showing the overall, you know, power behind that and now how you're trying to give that power back to the next athlete and to the to the younger generation and also, you know, people like myself, you know, that's following closely behind you know that transition into real life so it's been definitely it's been a pleasure to talk to you i know we haven't talked in a while it's been yeah up with each other but i i definitely appreciate you taking the time no any any time and i mean this um and hopefully i've kept my word but anytime you you reach out like i'm i'm fully on board because i believe in everything you're doing i remember just gp telling me about you and what you're doing i was like man i don't care what what the what it looked like, what it is, just the mission itself. I'm I'm down. Like I wanna any way I can help, I'm fully with it. So um to know that every time we speak, I'm, I get a chance to like peel back the layers of who Jory is, and there's always more. And I'm like, okay, she's keep there's she keep coming with more, keep coming with more. So um I think that's why I text you like, man, you my long lost sister. Like this is. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. I'm after, man, Corona just messing up stuff, but definitely gonna make my way out to Cali so we can, you know, vibe face to face and you know solidify that we really probably some long lost, you know, siblings. I have family out yeah. in Cali too, so you never know. <laughs> never know for real. That'd be crazy. That'd be crazy. So now nah, I'm looking forward to to uh, definitely connecting in person. But thank you for um, giving me a platform to just share my story and, and speak, man. It's always a dope convo. So. Definitely, definitely. Well, thank you for coming on. I hope you stay safe, stay sane during yeah. the uh, lockdown out there. Yeah. Um, use this time wisely. Keep creating, Indeed. meditating, Indeed. whatever you got to do. And um, until next time, man, I appreciate it, Horace. Thank you. appreciate you guys.